0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, I want to go to Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. 7 and 11. 7 and 11. Luke 7 and verse 11. And I'm going to do a little bit of preaching tonight, and I pray the Lord makes His Word real to you. I'm going to be talking about your life and what it means, and I'm going to use some of these props that I've got up here. I hope nobody ain't in there. Just checking. (laughs) You ready? Verse 11. Now, it happened the day after that he went into the city called Nain, And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. For she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep, do not weep. Then he came and he touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And he who was dead was dead and he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Next verse is funny. Then fear came on all of them. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us. God has visited his people. What caught my attention some years ago, I preached a sermon just on this from that 14th verse. Then he came and touched the coffin. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight on what happens when Jesus touches your coffin. One of the definitions, according to Webster's Dictionary, of a box, if you look up the word box, one of the definitions is a limited space with a lid on it, a limited space, a small compartment with a lid on it. That's what the enemy loves to do to us, is put us in small spaces, small compartments in life, and put a lid on what? We're capable of doing. And then what got me about Webster's definition of a box is if you keep reading down, then it says, and also a box can mean a coffin, which means if the enemy can put you in a box long enough, a small compartment, a small space with a lid on it, that will become your coffin. But what caught my attention many years ago about this story, and I'm just going to highlight that then I want to really go into something that I've never shared before except one time but I pray that it speaks to your heart. Is the Bible said that there was this widow woman and she was on her way with her dead son in the coffin. In a male dominated society like it was then this was a tragedy. The widows are not ever spoken of in scripture in a good in a good light. They're always poor. They're always On the brink of being just destitute. Because in that male-dominated society back in the ancient days of the Bible, a woman's identity was in her man. And her husband had already died. The scripture makes that clear. Thankfully, she had a son, so there was still covering and protection over her life and provision over her life. But now her only son had died. This was a tragedy. This was a major tragedy for this woman. It was a matter of time before she was totally destitute and 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 homeless and just no hope. Many times you read in the Bible you just mark it every time you read of widows, they're in bad bad shape and a miracle has to come to get them out. And the Bible said that her husband is dead, her son is dead and many people followed her outside the city going down this road, carrying the coffin on their shoulders with the dead boy inside. And they're sad. I'm sure they were singing funeral songs. I'm sure there was weeping. The Bible said there was weeping. It's a wedding or a funeral procession. And it's sad. They're weeping. They're crying. And on the same road, coming from the opposite direction, the Bible is clear that Jesus has a group coming with him. And they're having revival. And they were singing praise songs. I'm sure somebody was singing, I once was blind, but now I see. And somebody was singing, I was a lame man begging, but now I'm a leaper and a dancer for Jesus. And somebody else was singing, I, 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 was, I was deaf, but now I can hear. And there's this, there's this collision, this, this collision uh, uh, of sadness and depression and hopelessness with Jesus and joy and power. I believe that God is ready to collide with your sad songs your sad circumstances, your sad news. And Jesus said to the woman, weep not, stop weeping, stop crying. And then Jesus, what got me was he touched the coffin. He touched the box. He didn't touch, it was an open coffin according to the scripture, but he didn't touch the dead body. He touched the thing that held the boy. He touched the thing that wanted to keep him in the grip of death. It could have been an addiction. It could have been something that wanted to just limit him in small spaces and small compartments and put a lid on him and tell him who he is and he's never getting out of that box. But Jesus touched his coffin. Didn't touch him, he touched his coffin and when he touched his coffin, the Bible said, the man sat up. And then he started to speak. Did you catch that? What did he say? It's my sermon. I'll preach it like I want to. I'm going to tell you what he said. (laughs) The Bible doesn't completely tell us. But I have a little hint of what he said. You see in Bible days. It was very normal. That if. The males in the family had died. They were very communal. They were very small communities. We think of them. They they were very small communities. And so if a woman had two males in her house and now both males had died, it was very common for men in that community... They didn't have a Walmart to go to and buy some clothes. They didn't have a mall over here that they could run to. So clothes were a precious thing. So they would go in and they would just take, the men would just take the male clothes because she couldn't wear them and they would just take them. They'd take his shoes, they'd take his hat. That's why when Jesus was dying on the cross, they took his coat. It was very common in that culture for for people to do this. And it was also customary, according to one commentary that I read, that they, this is kind of tacky, but they would wear his clothes to, their, to his own funeral. And when Jesus touched the coffin, the guy sits up from that elevated position and he looks over that crowd. And he sees his coat on one joker and he sees his shoes on another one. He sees his hat. He sees his robe. And I think he started saying, hey, you give me my coat back. Hey, you, that's not your shoes. That's mine." when Jesus touches your coffin, you can tell the devil to give your stuff back. Give me my joy back. Give me my happiness back. Give me my marriage back. Give me my family back. Come on, somebody. When Jesus touches your coffin. When Jesus touches your coffin, he sat up, and when he touches your coffin, you can get back what the devil has stolen from you. He began to speak, and it's time to say something to the enemy. It's time to say, give me my health back. Give me my children back. Give me my joy back. Give me my consecration back. Give me that touch back that I used to have, that the world has crowded out and now religion is just something I'm doing on Sunday out of religious obligation. You can have Jesus touch the coffin that the enemy has put you in. And you can say, give me my joy back. You know, we live in a world of boxes. I just wrote down some mailboxes, post office boxes, drop boxes. In golf, they have the tee box. In hockey, they have the penalty box. In baseball, they have the batter's box. We even have a sport called boxing. Come on, I'm working this. In stadiums, they have box seats. They have press boxes. Basketball, they have something, a defensive maneuver called boxing out your opponent. And the bigger your box is, the bigger you can box them out. Come on. Turn to somebody and say you'd be a good basketball player. Come on, just tell them that right now. Come on, you go. I'm gonna work this a little bit. The railroad cars have box cars. And on Valentine's Day, you are supposed to get your sweetheart a box of chocolates. And I thought about restaurants that have to-go boxes and This is a deep sermon. I I, I thought about airplanes that have the black box. And my question is, why don't they make the whole airplane out of the black box stuff? And maybe somebody would survive the crash. Because they're always looking for the black box that made it through the crash. Politicians are all freaking out over the ballot box. Starting the next 12 months. When I was a teenager, we used to have what was called a boom box. And I had one. And we would go to the mall and we would put it on our shoulder and we would turn it up and walk around like we were bad something. We had, we'd never heard of bows, ears and all these things. So we cared of It was big old, it was like this right here. <laughs> Anybody know what I, you don't know what I'm talking about. You kids are not cool with your little, little dip, Deals in your ear. This is cool right here. This is cool right here. Just remember that. Just remember that. I'm preaching now. Again, Webster says a box is a container to be hemmed in. A small space or compartment. Ultimately, it can be a coffin. We box God in to what we think he can do into small, small boxes and we say, God, I'm putting a lid on you and as long as... As long, I believe you're capable of this, and I believe you're capable of that. And there are different size boxes. So some people have bigger boxes than others concerning God that they put him in. Well, I believe that he just saves, and I don't believe healing is for this day. And then there's others who say Jesus is the same, and he can heal, and he can. And then there's people who say, well, I'm spirit-filled. You know, we got different boxes, but everybody tries to put God in their box. And, and they're different size boxes, but they all have a lid. They all have a certain... Um, Parameter that, that, that God has to stay in in our world. And when you understand that we, that we not only box God in, but we box ourselves in with excuses as to why we can't do what he's calling us to do. Why do churches stop growing? Why do they stop after having revival and a movement? Why do they stop growing? Because they get boxed in. They begin to maintain instead of just really reaching beyond. But the thing I want you to get a hold of tonight is God is bigger than the box that you want to put Him in. God is bigger than the parameters and the lid that you want to put Him in. The limitations that we put on God, they're the only things that can limit God in our lives. In the Old Testament, God was kept in a box. I think they've got a picture of it. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. And all throughout the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, that's a great picture. God lived and God dwelt on earth in a box. This was a box. This was the mercy seat. These were the cherubims. They would sprinkle the blood right here. This part would come up inside where the with uh, the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod that uh, budded and a pot of manna from the wilderness. And God said, I'll meet with you on planet Earth under the old covenant, wherever that box is. You have to approach it. It'll be in the Holy of Holies. And God was confined in the Old Testament as much as you can confine God. When he visited men, he was a God that they put in a box and he was in that place. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. But Jeremiah 3 and verse 14 says, through a prophecy, there's a day coming when no longer will they wish for the good old days of the box. But the Lord himself will be among you. There was a prophecy that Jeremiah saw that God is going to get out of that box and he's going to walk and he's going to talk with you in a personal, intimate way. And our challenge is to let God get out of the box. You can't box God just into a building. The only time that some people are spiritual is when they're in a building, in a church service. But I want you to understand that if you're gonna have victory, you've gotta learn how to get God out of the box of the church. I'm glad you feel better when you come to church, but God wants to get out in your house and get out on your job and get out in your car with you and go to school with you and help you live this thing on Friday night and Saturday night. When you're religious, the only victory that you have is inside the walls of the church. The Old Testament and the New Testament are the only two testaments in the Bible. And the Old Testament limited God to a box. But the New Testament is when Jesus got outside of the box. He said, I won't be held in a box of religion. I won't be held in a box of tradition. I won't be held by your intellect of what your mind says I'm capable of doing. But I'm getting out of the box. I'm telling you that God can do it. He's bigger than drugs. He's bigger than sickness. He's bigger than your children away from God. And we need to get him out of the box. I want to preach it like I want to. God is not a Republican. He will not fit in that box. God is not a Democrat. He will not fit in that box and everybody else is not with God if they're not in that box. That is not what this book teaches. I'm gonna go even further. God is not an American. He will not fit into that box. He loves all the people in the world, all over the world. He has no preference of Americans more than he does Nigeria, more than he does South America, more than he does Mexico. You can't put God in a box. He's not American. He's not Californian. This grieves my spirit. He's not southern from Georgia. We think God is like us, but Jesus did not come to be like us. He came to make us like him and he got out of the box so we could be like him. I'm going to really mess you up. God is not Baptist. God is not Presbyterian. God is not Catholic. God says, I will not stay in that box. God is not Pentecostal. We all want to think we're right and they're wrong, but God is in none of those boxes. He says, I'll use the box, but don't you try to keep me in that box. I'll break out of that box and I'll visit who I want to visit and I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Somebody shout, God is out of the box. Glory. Glory. I guess what I'm trying to say is he's God and he won't be put in your box. You can have a move of God anywhere. You can have a move of God in Walmart. You can have a move of God in high school. You can have a move of God in a concert. You can have a move of God in a hellhole. You can have a move of God in a casino. You can have a move of God in a bar. God says, you think I can only save people in church? I'm out of the box. I want my church to get out of the box. I want my church to realize they can't hold me in small spaces. I'm too desperate to reach the lost and the hurting. And I won't get in your religious box. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want to know why some of you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and have a prayer language? Because that ain't in your box. You, you, you got saved, and you got a little touch, and you cried, and then you closed the box. You want to know why some of you don't worship? Because my daddy was like this, and I'm like that. and that's, that's how I... No. No. That's that's where you put the lid on it. But if you want more of God, get out of the box of worship you've been in. Small spaces. Get those little hands up. My God, he delivered those hands from cigarettes and weed and cocaine. And you ought to praise him. You ought to praise him. You ought to praise him. You ought to dance for him. You ought to shout for him. You ought to leap for him. You ought to scream for him. Get out of that box of tradition and worship Jesus. Now I'm going to see how loud you shout on this one. You want to know why some of you never tithe? (laughs) (laughs) Because that ain't in your little box. (laughs) But you know what you just did? You put a lid on the blessings. Now it's up to you to make it happen. But when you take the lid off and you say, God, I trust you with my finances too, then you just took the lid off of what God can do. And he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or even think. He can make you a land owner, a home possessor. He can praise you and bless you and make you the head and not the tail. And there's no limits on you when you don't put God in a financial box. Now shout, it's all right, and give God praise. Well, I just don't know if I believe that. Then stay in your box. You know, this is a pitiful illustration. If you hadn't got a good sermon, if you get you some good illustrations, you'd be all right. And I thought about, you know, a lot of people treat God like jack-in-the-box. When they really need something from God, they come to church and they say, crank it up. (laughs) I mean, I, I had a rough week. Get the music going. Hallelujah. I'm feeling better. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sing it, little pastor. Sing it, worship leader. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Jack shows up. My God, we feel better. We're blessed. Oh, hallelujah. The preacher preached. I feel so much better. I was just about to drop out and give up. But Jack showed up. The singing, the music, they got it cranked up. I feel so much better. And just about the time that we're about to say the last goodbye, here's what we do to God. We put him back in the box. We put him back in the box. We go right back to our car. Same marriage. Same problem. Same worry. Same depression. Same discouragement. Come back the next week. Crank it up. Crank it up. I need Jack bad. Come on, Jack. And there he is. Oh, come on. I'm working hard up here. You. You didn't give but $2 in the offering. This is all you deserve. I'm going to go one step further. This is what the devil does to you. Spirit of the Lord moves. You come in all bound up, all addicted her presence and power of God moves like he did in the service this morning and all of a sudden, I'm free. And then the enemy comes along and he wants to put you right back in that box of depression. Right back in that box of shame. I can't figure this thing. Right back. He wants you right back in that same box of condemnation and guilt and humiliation Don't you let the enemy put you in that box. Hallelujah. We have to make up our mind that I am who God says I am. And I don't have to stay in the box, but I'm going to sing and I'm going to praise. This is the sorriest box I've ever seen. Amen. And this is going to be me the rest of my life. I will not stay in the box of condemnation and guilt. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And listen, when we have a good service, let's get in the car with Jesus like this. Saying, I'm going home with you. I'm going to help you with your issues. You're going to talk sweet to one another. I'm going to change the atmosphere of your marriage this week. I'm going to touch your coffin and you're going to sit up and say, victory in Jesus. Somebody give him praise. Go. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil treat you like a jack in the box. He can touch you. He can heal you. Now, let me close with this point and listen carefully. In Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, there's only one time in all the New Testament a box is mentioned. It's the story of the woman with the alabaster box. She had ointment oil in that box. It was expensive and let me tell you the inside story that maybe you've never considered. It was so expensive it was worth a year's wages. What does that mean? It means she used it in her trade. She was a prostitute. And it's set on the dresser of her bedroom. And it's what she would put on that let men in the marketplace know that she was available. And they knew that she was a prostitute by putting that perfume on. But one day when she encountered Jesus something inside of that woman, the Bible said, took that box that represented her past, that represented a cycle of addiction in her bedroom. She took it out of her bedroom and she... Entered into where Jesus was with her box. The enemy had put her in that box, and every time she tried to get out, he would push her back in and say, You're no good. You're ashamed. You should be condemned. You're, you're not worthy. You're not. And he had her in that box. That box represented her sexual dysfunction, her sin. And she came with that box and she nailed it at the feet of Jesus. Somebody said she poured the oil on his feet. That is not what your Bible said. Your Bible said she broke the box. She broke it. She didn't just pour it. She broke it. She broke it at the feet of Jesus and turned it into worship and poured it on his feet and dried his feet with her hands. That box was a tangible substance of her past. And what she was saying was. It's not any longer going to be the the aroma of my bedroom. It's not going to be the aroma of sin and shame from my past. But I'm breaking this box at the feet of Jesus. I need to tell somebody that. The only cure for the box is to break it at the feet of Jesus. Don't take your box home. Don't take your shame home. Don't take your guilt and condemnation home. And I love the fact that Jesus said everywhere the gospel is preached. He rebuked his disciples when they tried to forbid her. They even said if, if he knew what manner of woman she is, he would not allow her to touch him being a holy rabbi. And Jesus rebuked them. And he said, I so love what this woman has done that wherever the gospel is preached in the world, you make sure they make mention of the one time in the New Testament where a woman said, I am not going to live in the box anymore. But I'm breaking my box at the feet of Jesus. And when Jesus touches your coffin, you can come up, you can come out, you can be free. And the message of the gospel is wherever the gospel is preached. Tell how she broke out of her box. Life tried to put a lid on her. Life tried to put her in small spaces. Small compartments. But she broke out of her box when she knelt at my feet. And worshiped me. I'm telling you, you can do the same. Simple little sermon. But don't you forget that there's an enemy out there who wants to put you down and close you up and say you'll never get out again. But there is a Jesus who says, I don't just want to touch you. Listen, I don't just want to touch you. I want to touch the box that's holding you. I want to... To touch the coffin. Jesus touched the coffin. In other words, when he touched that coffin, those who were profiting by death were put out of business. When Jesus touches your coffin, drug dealers get put out of business. The lies of suicide get put out of business. A wasted life gets put out of business. And Jesus can't just touch you, but He can touch the thing that is holding you and limiting you. You can break it at the feet of Jesus. Walk out of this place tonight saying, I'm free. Walk out of this place, I know it's, but I like it. I'm free. I'm free. I'm never going back in that box. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom from the guilt, the condemnation. How long has it been since you've been touched mightily by God? How long has it been since you broke out of your religious box? Some of you have put the lid on God and you sit back service after service after service and every now and then we need some services that just break us out of the box of religion and says my soul is dry I need a revival I need tears to flow I need the power of God to touch me again it's been a long time since I've been moved but here I come I'm breaking out of the box of religion and tradition and I'm walking down an aisle and I'm saying Holy Spirit do it all over again in my life renew me renew me are you willing to break the box anybody in a coffin the enemy says, that's as far as you can go. Jesus wants to touch your coffin and set you free and cause you to sit up and say to the enemy, give me back what you've stolen from me. In Jesus' mighty name, stand in Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.